Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the True Discipleship Podcast. We're in a series that we've been calling How to Find a Healthy Church, and this week we're in episode two of that series, and we're calling it Does Your Pastor Make the Cut? We're going to be diving into some scripture that tells us what expectations we should have of our pastor, and we're going to have a conversation about do we have our own expectations that we've developed that we place on our pastor that aren't biblical, and are there biblical expectations of a pastor that we aren't even asking of them? We're super excited for this conversation, and we're super excited that you decided to come and hang out with us again. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the True Discipleship Podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm Morgan. And a uh, special shout out to everybody who is watching us online at youtube.com right now. <laughs> Why did you have to say .com? <laughs> www.youtube.com. You forgot the HTTPS. HTTPS. Cool. Oh, man. Back. We're so glad that you guys are here. We are back on YouTube again. If you're like, YouTube, what are you talking about? We're on YouTube now. We are on YouTube now. <laughs> you can check us out over at True Discipleship Media on youtube go ahead over there and hit the subscribe button uh if you haven't done it yet what are you doing it's right at the bottom of the video you don't even have to leave this video you can just subscribe well if you're listening to the podcast you do have to go to www.youtube.com search true discipleship media and then you click the subscribe button uh and let me tell you man I used to get really annoyed when I would watch YouTube videos and people would be like, You'd like to subscribe, click and all this other stuff. But man, that stuff is is YouTube gold. Like if you want anybody other than your mom and your dog <laughs> to see your content, you need people to subscribe and a like and a comment. And so, uh, yeah, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you would have done it by now, you'd be done by now. <laughs> I love it. There you go. <laughs> uh, if you are listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Please leave a uh, honest review for us. But honestly, if it could be five stars, that'd be great <laughs> uh, because that too helps us reach more people. But I uh, just want to we we should say thank you to yeah. everybody who has already subscribed. We um, should. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to our 18 YouTube subscribers as of right now, which is exciting. That like it's is really exciting. 18 more than I ever thought we would actually 16 more because me, you 15 <laughs> right. more. I have two email accounts. That oh, I subscribe. We're just going to keep making email <laughs> accounts and keep subscribing to our channel. Um, so yeah, thanks to everybody who's like stuck along with us. I know like we disappeared for a while. We came back and like, we still have people who are here liking our stuff on Instagram, yeah. listening to us on spotify like it's just been awesome it has been it's been really encouraging so thank you for that well if you were here last week we started a new series all about what does it look like to find a healthy church and this week we're going to be continuing that conversation talking about the pastor um and this is a fun one i think this is going to be a good conversation um i'm really excited about it but i have to admit i am a little bit biased uh, I am a pastor. <laughs> what? So I know. So for me to talk a ton into this conversation would seem a little bit biased and it's probably not the, the healthiest way to go about this. Uh, so really, Morgan, I, I want to hear a lot from you this episode um, because I'd love to get some of your perspective and kind of how you want to speak into that. Um, Can I also just say that you said this is a conversation and I think if there's anybody who's come with us in this like second wave of like almost restarting the podcast and starting YouTube, that this is a conversation starter. Mm. This is not the conversation end all be all. That's we great. know yep. all the truth and you must live and die by our words. We would very much love for you to live and die by the words in the Bible that yes. Jesus gave to us. Um, 
yeah so conversation starter that's fantastic and it's also to get me off the hook for if i say anything wrong that is also a good word yeah so don't trust me on everything that's right this really is how we're interpreting um scripture and the calling of a pastor and we can be wrong because we're human that's very true that is all very true all right morgan so i want to give you a couple of rapid fire questions to get into this thing okay i'm just going to kind of spit them your way and i want to know what please don't spit (laughs) that's what the little sponge mouth guard thing (laughs) is for okay when you hear the word pastor what comes to mind for you i think of someone who is in a position to teach and care for a group of people follow-up question do you put them in that order do you think teach first and then care for me second equal like hand okay like they go together Mm -hmm. i think they're both equally important okay cool that's good to know um that's great. You even mentioned <laughs> you growing up in church. That's kind of what you think about it. But let's 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 zoom out a little bit. Let's think about people who don't normally attend church, and let's see kind of what what you think they would say, right? Like, let's say we could take these microphones out onto the street, and we could ask people, "Hey, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought about us carrying all this equipment out. This is not a very mobile setup. <laughs> it so. is not. I was also thinking about the sound quality of being oh. outside, and you just hear like every." <laughs> that's what it would sound like every leaf rustle yeah. <laughs> okay anyways um, i'm on the street and i'm talking on to the street you're talking to people and you ask them hey when i say pastor what's the first word that comes to mind first of all let me ask you this do you expect a pleasant answer or a more aggressive answer mm, i think i'm a pessimist in some sense that i would probably receive more of like a an aggressive be more scared for an aggressive answer yeah okay. so what how would they that would be their tone but what would they say um they just want my money unauthentic is that a word mm. um, yeah disingenuous disingenuous maybe i didn't yeah. know if i should put in or un okay in front of authentic inauthentic 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 in- Inauthentic. That sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We know what you meant. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think that if you were to go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, I love when people do that. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. That's a really 90, maybe 100, range. 110, 120. You, <laughs> you could 50 to 20 to 120 years ago. Like, that's <laughs> such a big range. You could go back to 2001 and life looks so much different than it does now. That was 21 years ago. Stop. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's say we go way, 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 way back. Let's say 99. And <laughs> you were to ask people on the street, uh, you just say the word pastor, like you do a word association game. I think a lot of them, like the person that comes to mind for them is like a Billy Graham, right? Mm-hmm. Some guy, uh, really charismatic, um, really kind of loud. Uh, I just imagine him with a Bible over his hand or over his head, um, kind of larger than life. Uh, really good communicator, um, dresses old school, so three-piece suit, you know what I mean, has the tie and all that sort of stuff, um, and is proclaiming the gospel, right? Uh, maybe a, a slightly less aggressive version of the Turner Burn message, but is definitely letting me know that um, there's a heaven and a hell, and I have a, make, I have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was Billy Graham. I think if you were to go out and ask that question now, let's say you go out and ask millennials that question, 
um, probably different people are going to come to mind now, right? I mean, you have people who are, um, uh, they kind of exist in the upper echelon of this like church culture, um, but they are not, um, I mean, celebrity is the word that we're talking about, right? Celebrity mm. pastors. These are people who they're kind of a household name, even outside of, um, Christian circles, people know who they are, right? So I would think probably maybe Stephen Furtick would fall into that category. Uh, Carl Lentz probably falls into that category. Like he got a lot of notoriety for being like Justin Bieber's pastor. Judah Smith kind of falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Any other ones that you think of that come to mind for you off the bat? You forgot good old Joel. Joel Osteen. <laughs> yes. Joel. Yes. Uh, okay, no, Joel's probably like the guy, right? He kind of um, like transcends that like late Billy Graham era to early celebrity pastor era. Because like he's, he's not cool. He's been around <laughs> for a while. Can we say that? I don't think so. I think that's mean. Right? Like Joel Osteen would never be on Preachers and Sneakers is what I'm saying. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, but yeah, no, I think you're right. He's He's kind of like the one that's in the middle of those two older and younger generations. I'll probably know who he is. Uh, I mean... Was it your best life now is like a New York Times bestseller. Like everybody had a copy of that book. Because for me, I would imagine if you go up to somebody on the street, not a part of church circles, and you say the word pastor to them, like you said, probably wants my money. Like I'm thinking televangelist. I'm mm-hmm. thinking um, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis. These are the like jets. I, I want a jet guys. Um, Mike Murdoch was a really big one for me growing up. I don't know if you ever saw Mike Murdoch stuff. There's that guy who tries to sell like miracle water to people. So like kind of hokey, you know what I mean? Like looking for a tax break. That's kind of the thing that, that we're looking for. But, but, but despite that, right, despite if they are famous or infamous, wherever they fall on that scale, do you think there should be such a thing as a celebrity pastor? Rapid fire answer. No. Okay. If I can explain myself. Maybe. <laughs> it's a good thing you got a podcast. <laughs> I would love to hear this explanation. I think in the even in the categories that you've mentioned or the names that you have mentioned, we can see these like two scenarios play out. So I don't think someone who is a pastor and has set out to make their name known or their name great mm-hmm. to achieve that celebrity pastor status is a healthy pastor. Like no mm. that no. Like just no, we'll stop it at that. If a pastor is set out on people knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus, being a follower, like living a life of discipleship, then, and in, as a result of that happens to like become famous, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much control they have over that. So if their mission is, I want people to love Jesus and people start to recognize their name or their face, like what control do they have over that? That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like of the names we've mentioned, like. I think Francis Chan is probably an example of that. Mm. He's the type of guy that to me, it doesn't feel like he tries to build his brand or build his kingdom, but. People know his name. Yeah. And he's a draw. Like if he's at a conference, he's a draw. People want to see him. Absolutely. So, yeah, in my, in my like maybe answer, it depends on your motivation. Mm-hmm. If your motivation is for people to know and love Jesus, then if you happen to become famous and as a byproduct of that, then I don't think you had much control over that. Um, and I don't think 
it has the capacity to take away from you continuing to spread the word of Jesus if you let it get to your head, if you mm. let it seep in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Is there any safe way to like combat that though? Do you think? Call Mr. Chan, Pastor Chan. <laughs> um, I think to turn this to us mm-hmm. um, of this like creation of celebrity pastor, um, how much responsibility do we have in creating celebrity pastors or celebrities in general? Like people aren't famous unless we are mm. obsessed with them. <laughs> that is very true. It's uh, icky. It makes you feel icky on the inside. No, that is very true. I mean, I think about do you put do you put pastors on pedestals? You ever think that way? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I know for me this is going to sound really weird, but like as someone who like works in the church world who like is a pastor, like, I know for me, there are certain pastors who I'm like, I want to have this person's phone number on my phone one day. Like, <laughs> that's just the thing. Like, I want to be friends with this person. And I don't know if my motivation is right or not, if I'm completely honest. Like, I think it'd be cool. I would love to sit around and geek out and nerd out over biblical conversation about different topics with these people. But is that totally my motivation or do I just want to be a part of their circle or what they're doing? But I think we have a responsibility of not putting pastors on pedestals like not creating that celebrity status Mm. i think it's in in us that we we put them on pedestals i think about um so you and i go to the passion conference every year and when they release that list of we're already signed up and Mm -hmm. then they release the list of names um and we're like oh my goodness like levi lusco christine kane sadie robertson huff like all these people are going to be there we're so excited to go see them and what i think those speakers do and what passion does so well is that you show up wanting to like bump into one of those speakers in the hallway magically becoming best friends with sadie robertson huff hypothetically um, speaking hypothetically speaking not that something you've <laughs> dreamed about um i've totally imagined us running into each other at the passion <laughs> conference multiple times like she's just one of those people you just want to be friends with but like here i am creating a pedestal like she's so pretty and she like wears really nice clothes and look how happy her family is and i've like look at all of these like additional levels sounds like a celebrity to me. sounds like a celebrity sounds like someone i want to be friends with so like we do it we like we we put people on this pedestal and i'm like i'm going to passion so that i can be friends with sadie or like i can hear her speak mm-hmm. and the great thing that she does that all the other speakers um from passion do and passion as like a movement does is we walk away every year like dang i need jesus yeah i want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I came for fill in the blank. I left knowing a greater need for Jesus. And I think that's the thing. I, I think that is like the crux of the conversation. What it does boil down to though is when I listen to this person, when I see this person, when I read their books, when I do any of that stuff, does it make me fall more in love with Jesus? Or does it make me fall more in love with them? Mm. And I think that is the key, right? And then usually you can tell from their presentation which one is more important to them. You know, if we were to look back to last week's episode about church shopping and church hopping and all that (laughs) stuff, like people do get attracted to certain styles of teaching and certain communicators. And like even at churches with multiple speakers, people have their favorites, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just call a spade a spade. Um, You're my favorite speaker at our church. Oh, thanks. Um, Don't tell the others. (laughs) But um, 
So what ends up happening is is there there are pedestals that exist whether we want them to or not. The question is is who gets the bigger one? You or Jesus? Hmm. That's the question, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to kind of we've we've gotten a little off <laughs> off kilter, but we're going to focus it back in. We're going to stop just sharing our opinion and our thoughts. We're going to look at what the Bible says the qualifications for a pastor should be because we we listed all these people who we really enjoy and who we like listening to and seeing and all this other stuff. But how often do we think is this person qualified to do what they're doing? Mm. Do they meet the biblical qualifications? Uh, we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to get into well, how do we prevent? Um, Pastor worship, probably the most accurate praise for it. Yeah. Yeah. How do we prevent pastor worship? Let's talk about it. So we're going to go ahead and hop into scripture. Uh, what does the Bible say that uh, the qualifications of a pastor are? And there are two main passages that people often come to to find this. Uh, both of them are written by Paul. Both of them are written to uh, younger guys who are serving their local church. They are leaders in their church. Um, the first one is in Titus. Uh, and then we get one again in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, so Morgan, will you go ahead and read uh, Titus 1, 6 through 9 for us? And then I'll go ahead and read the 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. There's a lot of overlap. Uh, so maybe for the sake of conversation, you pay attention when I read and I pay attention when you read. And I think <laughs> it'll, I think we'll catch some good stuff in there. All right. An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout, a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. And we also have 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and give, I'm sorry, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must be a new believer. Be I'm sorry, must not be a new believer uh, because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Um, really quick, as we talk about the idea of celebrity pastors and stuff, I think at the end there in verse six really, really stands out, right? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. So I think the big thing with celebrity culture is 
like being known in and of itself is not a bad thing. But it's when that level of pride wells up inside of you to where you think, man, I'm so great. I'm so good. People like anywhere I go, I draw a crowd. Um, we are growing faster than any other church has grown, yada, yada, yada. Oh, by the grace of God, right? We always have to throw that in there so that it makes it seem like, so it's oh, biblical. no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really humble, you know? <laughs> by the grace of God, we did this and this and this and that um, because we work really hard, but by the grace of God, it got done. Um, so, yeah, I just think that's really interesting. But is there anything in there that, that stands out to you? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I knew this was in uh, the Titus passage, but I think now with like the phase of life that we're in slash we'll be entering soon, it feels like it hits more close to home. Potentially entering into soon. You made it sound like. Yeah, no, we aren't. No. Not making any announcements. <laughs> no, no. Um, this is going to be the part about children, but no, there is no current plan for children. Um, but I just want to make sure that you're still going to be qualified to be a pastor once we have children. <laughs> um, and that is where he says that his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. And I'm like, oh, no, Aaron's not going to be able to <laughs> be a pastor anymore. <laughs> you think we're going to have wild, rebellious kids? I don't know. It's like a you don't know. Who was it from the Old Testament? I forgot who it was, but they were like he was a wild donkey of a man. That's how they described him when he was born. I can't remember who that was, but yeah, that's gonna be our that's gonna be our kid. <laughs> no, that is super interesting, right? Because I think PKs have like such a reputation. Pastor kids. Yes. We can't use abbreviations. <laughs> Sorry. I think a lot of people know what that means. But yeah, I think like pastor's kids definitely have a reputation of being like the most rambunctious, the most rowdy ones and all that other stuff. So that's interesting that that is in there, right? What do you say to that? Like how do you how do you think about that process that should it be in there? Is it too harsh of a qualification to have? Is it no, because, I mean, he later goes on in this passage and the other one that says, um, like, if he can't manage his family well, then how will he mm -hmm. manage is probably not a good term. But, like, if he's not pastoring his children and his family well, then how will he then pastor a church? Yeah. So I think it's like. So do you think, like, an elder board has grounds if a pastor has kids who's misbehaving? Like the pastor drops their kids off at children's ministry every week and that kid's in there starting fights. Can that, can the elder board say, Hey, listen, your, your, your kids are out of control, man. We got, we got to hit the bricks. Is that only for like teaching pastors? I don't know, sir. For any pastor. Like, I mean, there's no, in here it's talking about elders and overseers and deacons. There are some people that would be <laughs> disqualified. I can't say that. <laughs> I have I have met It's pastor's kids the way it is, man. They're around the building four days out of four days. Forty days. <laughs> four days out of seven every week. And then they show up and like, I don't want to be here for the third service. And then yeah, they start fires in the corner or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean that's so this is this is what I'm getting at. And this is the reason why I think it's so important for us to have this conversation, right? We look at today's culture and we look at um kind of these black and white cases that come up all the time of pastors who were fired let go of their positions for numerous reasons right but you haven't seen anybody in the news lately like this pastor let go because his child burnt down the church exactly right well you don't well okay well, think about this one for example right uh in here there's a spot that says uh he must enjoy having people over in his home okay another translation puts it hospitable um which i would say are, are maybe two different things like i think you can be hospitable 
without having people in your home. I think that um, I had somebody describe it to me one time as like being hospitable is making someone feel at home wherever you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, there are all sorts of situations, right? Some pastors are part-time pastors on staff and they don't live, you know, in their own place. Maybe they room with somebody and so they can't have people over. So that doesn't disqualify them. But the question becomes like, are you hospitable wherever you are? Right. Mm -hmm. So I say all that. I heard this story one time. I'm not going to list names because this is a secondhand story that I heard. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but there was a pastor who is a quote unquote celebrity pastor who was uh, flying to go and speak at some conference. And he goes to get into his like rental car that was like, you know, set up for him to bring him to the venue or whatever. And before he gets in, uh, whoever travels with him gets into the car first and says to the driver, hey, listen, so and so is about to get in the car. Uh, If you do ever refer to them, you refer to them as pastor this. um, But don't ask any personal questions like if you can avoid speaking to him unless being spoken to. And I remember hearing that and I'm like, that does not sound hospitable at all. Right. Mm. But we would net. Well, I can't say we would never. But if that if the driver of that car went to the elder board of that church and said, hey, this is what happened. The truth is that that pastor probably would be defended by his elder board and saying, oh, well, you know, he's a busy guy and yada, yada, yada. How many churches would say, oh, we need to. (laughs) You don't meet the qualifications of a pastor. Right. So it's interesting to me because I always try to figure out, like, where is the line, I guess, like at what point do you say you you can't be a pastor here anymore or you can't lead people in a spiritual capacity anymore? I mean, what do you what do you think about that? I think we just have a tendency to weigh things more important than the other in every scenario mm. of life. And I think there there are things in this passage that we as people feel are more important than the other Mm -hmm. um there are also things that are probably easier to measure from the outside looking in Mm. um like we can see their children and -hmm. how they behave but also we can only see their children and how they behave outside of the home right we don't know what's going on behind closed doors um we don't know how this pastor is leading their family at Mm -hmm. home um so i think we gravitate towards the the qualifications that we can measure that we can see Mm -hmm. that, um, yeah. Like if you can't see it, how do you measure it Mm. for one? Um, and it almost feels like we're doing damage control sometimes. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Like, yeah, we'll focus on like the really, really important ones. Well, as long as they're not Mm X, Y, Z, then we don't have to put as much weight on these other ones. Um, but I think what something that stood out to me, I believe it was in Titus. Um, yeah, it was like, he must live a devout and disciplined life. And then continues, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. I think if Jesus, if God has called you to be a pastor, he's going He's given you that gift Mm -hmm. of being a pastor. Um, I'm not saying everything in this list is going to come naturally. Like, hey, you've called to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. You're automatically going to be hospitable and want to have people over at your house every single night. But I think in that devout and disciplined life and that strong belief in the trustworthy message, like if you're living into God has gifted me these things Mm. and I, I trust that message, I trust like, and I am disciplined and devout, then 
we're going to see all these things. That's really good. I think you're hitting into something key there. I think all of these things, if we're not careful, these will all become cosmetic. Mm. But they're not cosmetic. No, it's your heart. These are all integrity and character-based things, right? Um, so, I mean, let's just walk through uh, the, which one am I? I'm in the First Timothy passage, right? Let's just walk through that really quick. Uh, he must have a life that's above reproach. Okay. Uh, he must be faithful to his wife. This is not a behavioral thing. It is behavioral. It manifests itself in a behavioral way, but really it shows a lot about what's this next thing. He must exercise self-control mm-hmm. and live wisely and have a good reputation. Right? So these aren't just like, Oh, people have to think so and so is holier than thou. No, these are like heart issues that actually have to be worked out. He must enjoy having Check that out. It doesn't just say he has to have people in his home. It says he mm-hmm. must enjoy having people in his, having guests in his home. Uh, and he must be able to teach. So, uh, you know, as far as the enjoy having guests part, there's a part of you that has to find um, pleasure in serving other people right? This is, this is what Jesus did, right? When he washes the disciples' feet, this is him showing what it looks like to uh, enjoy having other people over to, um, to be hospitable, <clears throat> to show that love wherever he is. Um, he must be able to teach. And that's one that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, teaching is a skill that can be taught. I think to a degree it can, the same way that public speaking can be taught to someone. Um, however, I do think that teaching is a gift. I mean, we see that listed in the list of gifts uh, that Paul writes earlier on, um, that it is something that is that is uh, gifted to you by the Holy Spirit. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Again, these are uh, anger issues, self-control issues, right? So this isn't all cosmetic. And I think the problem becomes is that our judge on if the pastor will make the cut or not is nine times out of 10 cosmetic, Mm. almost literally, right? Do they look the part? Um, You know, a lot of people are obsessed with finding like the hip young looking pastor that's, you know, oh yeah, I could see myself hanging out with this person on the weekends or, um, Oh, I don't want to listen to that old guy because what does he have to tell me? Like, relatable. Relatable. Yeah. Like, yeah, he should be relatable in the sense that he's human. <laughs> uh, but, like, at no part of this does this say he has to be funny. Mm. At no part of this does it say he has to have an amazing story to open every sermon with, right? Like, it's none of that. These, these are all cosmetic things that we have put to the forefront. And this is what causes us to put people on the pedestal because we say, oh, well, they look the part. Mm. Or maybe they don't match the mold of what I thought of. This guy doesn't look like a Billy Graham who I hated. Uh, He looks like a Kanye who I really enjoy, right? (laughs) So these are two different juxtapositions. And so we make this idea so cosmetic um, that we don't even use proper judgment anymore. And so now what we're getting into is is what does Jesus, what does God say? Uh, even in looking at David, it says that man look at the, looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. How much are we in a position to place the hearts of our pastors and our church leaders under the microscope? Um, and I'll admit, right, some contexts are, are maybe too big to do that. Um, some people are really good at putting up a front. Yeah. Some pastors are going to seem really, really good when you hang out with them, but then when you get behind closed doors, they're an entirely different person, right? Um, but I do think that these are things that have to be considered. Um 
what always blows my mind is like when a pastor has a fall from grace, the number of people who are around them who say, oh yeah, I saw that coming. <laughs> it's like, well, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you say something? Or why was this person allowed to stay? In, they're clearly not living a life above reproach. And so please hear me when I say this, like I said, as, as someone who, um, who, who is a part of, you know, leadership in, in a church context, um, this is not by any means pointing a finger at anybody or saying, um, oh, well, so-and-so should have been better or whatever. Like, listen, I understand I am a fall from grace just away from, from like from anybody else. Right. Like yeah. that sentence didn't make any sense, but everybody <laughs> knows what I meant. Like you are just as capable of making mistakes yes. as every other person. That's a part of the church. Yes. But there is a devoutness and there is a discipline and there is a wholehearted sold out commitment to the faith that that Peter's I'm sorry, that Paul is writing about here that has to be present in my life. There has to be a level of integrity and character on my part that says um, I am choosing to live wholeheartedly after the things that God does and or has called me to. And so I think what, what Paul is saying here is that because you can't see that stuff, these are the ways they're going to be manifested. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of lists these out in these passages. Yeah. So how do we prevent pastor worship? I think that is the big thing that walk away from, right? Because here's the thing. Asking, does your pastor make the cut? Um, we can't really do anything about that, right? Like this is between kind of them and Jesus. And we want to make sure that that all of the signs that Paul is talking about are exhibited um, from the outside looking in, that we could see all those things, right? That this person is a good leader of the family, that they are faithful, that they aren't um, over drinking, that they aren't angry, all this other stuff. But what do we do? I think our role in this is, you know, let's say you found a healthy church, um, and now you have a pastor in your context and it's really easy and natural for us to put that person on a pedestal. Um, what are some practical ways that we can avoid pastor worship? Mm. I think just start with remembering that they're a person just just like you yeah um yeah i think like proverbial state pedestal that we put them Mm -hmm. on is not helped by like the physical stage that they're sometimes on Mm -hmm. um so just remember like that's just an elevated surface that's so good i think that's so important to remember because like so for example at our church we have multiple pastors we have like small group pastors we have like teaching pastor, we have lead pastor, we have executive, all these different pastors. And usually it's the one on the platform who gets treated that way. Like nobody ever sees a small group pastor and is like, oh. I'm so nervous to talk. Yeah. 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 Like it, it really is like, I mean, like our worship pastors, um, you could come out and make announcements on the weekend and I'm putting you on a pedestal because you are on that physical pedestal. Mm. So just remember it's an elevated piece of wood. No, that's good. There's an, you can actually probably stand on it yourself. I've stood on it before. <laughs> just go run up there and see what happens. And then, no. Security just don't do that. decks you. Don't do Practical that. applications. Run on the stage of your yeah. church. Do not do that. Uh, so number one, remember our pastors are human. 
Yes. What else can we do to prevent pastor worship? Uh, we can hold them accountable. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. Do you feel like we've been doing a good job of that? Or we, do you feel like we have been like a little cancel culture-y? Mm. What is the difference? Let's do that. Holding someone accountable is more preventative so that we don't have to get to the point of mm. canceling. Like, I, th- like, okay, it, it's always the sexual sin that, like, comes up for some it, reason. It's, it's like, because it's the thing that we see all the time. But nobody just wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to go have an affair. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, go get checked, probably. Um, There was probably a progression. Mm-hmm. And there was probably a progression that people could have seen or, like, somewhere along the way they could have said, hey, I don't know if there's anything to this, any truth to this, but this just doesn't look healthy. That's not a good look. This yeah. doesn't look right. Um, I just want to check on you. Mm-hmm. And not in an accusatory way, not in like a, you're going to do, like you've done this, like yeah. be kind, be gracious. Yeah. Like, because you could go up to them and say, hey, this looks like you're going to do this. And they're like, what are you talking about? I, I Okay. I am so interested this is a bit of a sidebar, and I'm sorry. This is what's going to put us over the 30-minute mark. <laughs> I am so interested in whatever has happened with the Matt Chandler situation. Because what it sounds like is that this is what happened. What happened. That he was being held accountable. Mm. Um, for those that don't know the story, basically what happened was is he was approached by a woman. I mean, you can go and watch it. Um, but he said that he was approached by a woman in the lobby who said, hey, I found out that a friend of mine has been DMing you on Instagram lately, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, this doesn't seem good. And so, from my understanding, Matt Chandler was like, cool, we, we cut some stuff off. You know, me and my wife and her and her husband were all friends, so, like, we didn't think it was a weird thing. But then the issue came down to the words that he used were uh, – uh, familiarity and frequency. Those are the two things. So it wasn't, he said we weren't talking about anything sexual or uh, romantic in nature, but we were talking too often and in ways that people who aren't married, probably there's there's some line of comfortability that's been crossed there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the church puts him on a leave of absence and everybody kind of went into commentary mode about it. Preston Sprinkle, who's another pastor, I think he's out in the Oregon area, uh, I believe is having Matt Chandler in for something he's doing because he's like, yeah, I reviewed the messages and stuff and I didn't think it was that extreme. And so in his case, they thought church discipline went a little bit too far, Um, at least some people on the outside looking in. But I mean, how far is too far? Do you wait until something happens before you say, hey, oh, man, you shouldn't have stopped it? Or did this person do the right thing? Now, again, we don't know. Because we don't know all of the details of mm-hmm. the story, right? And for reasons that they have chose, they've kept everything pretty pretty tight sealed and under wraps. Um, as, I think as they should. Yeah. I think like... It's a celebrity thing, right? How much do I need to know what's going on in Matt Chandler's life? You're not a part of Matt Chandler's church. I'm not. I mean, I listen to him frequently and, you know, I admire his teaching and all this other stuff, but how much do I need to be a part of that? I mean, I think that's a part of celebrity culture too, right? Is this yeah. tabloid mentality of everything you do is going to be plastered all over the internet for everybody to see. And 
if I, uh, I'm allowed to have an opinion and yeah. people don't have to agree with That's it. That's why you have a podcast. You can <laughs> say what you want and not have anybody stop you. And then people can disagree with me if they want to. I just won't read those comments. Um, <laughs> I think the woman who brought this up to Matt Chandler, if she did it in a part of a lobby that wasn't busy, I think she did the right thing. Like not making a scene. Not Is making a mean? scene. Yeah. Like if it was not, if it was a quiet part of the lobby, visible visible <laughs> um where she like walked up to him and there were not other ears around that could mm-hmm. have like eavesdropped in that conversation and said hey like this has made me uncomfortable and i just think like this is going into a territory that could just be unsafe for you for the church like it sounded like someone who was, was genuinely concerned yeah and that's what i mean when i say hold them accountable if you see things I think that you're, if your pastor is being hospitable, like they're supposed to be, they're approachable. You can go talk to them and you can say, hey, I know. That should have been his ticket out. He should have <laughs> been like, I was just being hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, I think this woman did the right thing by coming to him and saying, like, this is a concern. It may have no validity whatsoever, but it is a concern that I have. Mm. Where I think it got out of control and like... Again, we can't comment on like the context of other people's churches. We don't know how they operate, but mm-hmm. like I don't think they needed to bring it to the congregation until it was investigated. Well, from my understanding, it was okay, yeah. and they still brought it to yeah. the congregation. Yeah, because like elders had made the decision by this point. From my understanding, it was like a month, two month long process before okay. he stood on stage and said. Then maybe this is the model. Like if if the elders reviewed everything, which I think they should do in private before they bring it to the congregation, they evaluate it. They decide, yes, this is inappropriate. No, it's not. If it's not inappropriate, then we just put those files in the file cabinet. Easy breezy, lemon squeezy. But they decided in the little flow chart that yes, this is inappropriate. And then Matt Chandler, who I applaud him for like getting up in front of his congregation in person and saying, hey, I did something wrong. <laughs> difficult difficult lemon difficult (laughs) yeah not easy peasy lemon squeezy anymore um like he was humble enough to like get up in front of his congregation and admit that he did something wrong which Mm -hmm. like is something that i don't think we see yeah a lot well i think too is now this is just us talking (laughs) one of the big pieces of pushback that came out of his announcement was that he never said i'm sorry Mm. Uh, but I do think what he said and what he communicated well was, I don't know if he didn't say this explicitly, but from what I understood from the way he communicated it was, um, Hey, I don't know if I agree with the elder's decision on this, but I'm going to take some time away and think about it. So, you know, he doesn't lash out with bitterness. He doesn't put out any resentment or anything like that. He's just like, Hey, I didn't think this was a problem. Obviously someone thinks otherwise. I'm gonna go spend some time with Jesus and figure this out. And that seems, I mean, what else can you do? I mean, as a pastor, you're submitted to the authority of the elders. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I think this is a good example of holding your pastor accountable, your pastor having the humility to say, I am going to step away and I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. Like what more could you ask for in a pastor who wants to go spend time with like, with Jesus and recoup from this. And like my prayer is that he gets to come back and continue to do the ministry that he's the the work that he's been doing. Um, cause I think he's done an incredible job. So the work is always redemption. That's always what we're moving towards. We want to see a person restored and we want to see them living the type of life that God has designed them to live. But I just think, I think this like, I think it's being like picked apart by a lot of people because we haven't seen this side of the scenario. We've always extreme measure. It's, always been like 
the person got to the the, the really bad the breaking thing, point and then we have to deal with that this was like oh we we are doing the practical application that morgan was talking about we're holding our pastor accountable and now this is what's happening but do they have a precedent like have they seen it happen we are gonna have to do an episode on church discipline at some point yeah, because this practical application has turned into... And we're going to have to bring some people in who are smarter than us to have this conversation with. We'll call it Matt gets, Chandler. It gets really interesting. <laughs> He's like, boy, let me tell you. No, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, more practical application. Last thing. Last. So, for a recap, because we've gone all the way around the world. This is how we do it, man. We reach this point and then we, we break the 30, 40, 50, 60 <laughs> minute mark. Uh, remember our pastors are human. Hold them accountable, but this one is probably the most important. It's the most important. We should have probably started with it, but also wrapping up with it, it's probably the one you're most likely to remember. There you go. Pray for your pastor. Please. Please. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. Yeah. Um, because they are human, because they need to be held accountable, mm-hmm. because they need to be encouraged in their calling to encourage their hearts because they're being requested to pray for other people all the time and they are just giving and pouring out, but not having people maybe check in on them or make mm-hmm. sure that their souls are good. I mean, when you get exhausted, you are prone to do all sorts of things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. So and I think it's always it's always after the fact, the breaking point that we're like, oh, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for their family. Pray for your pastor. Where were you at two months ago? <laughs> right? Like we should be praying for them all like constantly. Um, Pray for your pastor's marriage and just mm. like the <laughs> for all the YouTube people they're they're getting the like the that that looks bad. The um, <laughs> I don't know if that looks any better. The not sanctity. That's not what unity? I'm saying. Unity. Unity. There you go. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Like yeah. the unification of that marriage mm. and just like the bold, like, da, just like concrete. I don't know. <laughs> Lord, I just pray for Pastor So-and-so. I pray that you would, him and his wife, just increase the da. Exactly. God Jesus will know Lord. what you're, if you listen to this podcast, like God knows my heart there and you, you just pray for it. <laughs> oh, got it. Cool. Goes and writes it down. Um, I want it right now. I think that that's it. Uh, that'll do it for me. Yeah. I don't um, have nothing else to say. <laughs> we may not have come to any conclusions, but again, conversation starter. That's it. Yeah. It gives you at least one next step to work on. And isn't that enough? <laughs> <laughs> one next step is always one enough. One next step is always enough. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, well, hey guys, thank you so much for listening again to the podcast. If you are listening via podcast, uh, please go ahead and uh, leave us a review. Um, we would really appreciate that. An honest five-star review. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, I love and, it. It's evolved. It's now an, an honest, honest five-star review. An honest five-star review. You can leave five stars. You can write whatever you want to in the body. Yeah. There, there you go. go. That's fair. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, and if you are watching on YouTube, please take a second just to hit the subscribe button. If you would have hit it, you would have already done it, done it. If you would have done it by now, you'd be done. That's right. Uh, guys, we love y'all. Thank y'all so much. Let's start a conversation down in the comments. Uh, we need yeah. a question. What's what's a question to, to chat about in the comments on the on the interwebs? Uh, mm. I think a good one is looking back at those two passages uh, from Titus and First, First Timothy. Are there any of the qualifications of a pastor that you think that we as a church don't put enough weight on? 
Or do you think that there are some things that maybe we swing the pendulum too far on in the other direction? I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. If you leave a comment, I promise you one of us two will respond to it. I'm going to, I'm going to double down. Oh yeah. I'm going to ask a practical application question. What is one way you can support your pastor at your church this week? I love it. That's fantastic. Their love language is probably food in mm. some sort of context. Free food. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Well, I mean, if you're going to support somebody, you're not going to be like, hey, give me $5 for this burrito hey, I just got for you. Some people, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. How are you going to lo- support your pastor this week? That's fantastic. Hey, this has been episode 12 of the True Discipleship Podcast. If you want to go ahead back and check out last week's episode, we will have a link to it somewhere on the screen right now. Or if you're listening via podcast, just go back in that thing. It's like time travel. You go back, you find the old episode, you press play on it. Be a fantastic time. Guys, we love you. We'll see you next week.